Hey, what's happening, everybody? Glad to see you here. Super excited for tonight. We have got a one of the top baseball players in the world right now, Josh Young, somebody who went from being non-drafted out of high school to being a first-round pick. Josh Young, he attended Douglas MacArthur High School in San Antonio, Texas, where he starred in both baseball and football. As we mentioned, he was undrafted out of high school in 2016. He goes to Texas Tech University to play college baseball for the Red Raiders. In 2017, as a freshman at Texas Tech, Josh started all 62 games at third base, hit 306 with six bombs, 43 RBIs, and he was named Big 12 Freshman of the Year. He was a freshman All-American. As a sophomore in 2018, again, he started all 65 of Texas Tech's games at third base, hit 392, 12 home runs, 80 RBIs, and was named all Big 12 first team, was an All-American again, and he played for the Team USA College Baseball National Team that summer. Going into his junior year, Josh was named 2019 Big 12 Co-Player of the Year after hitting 333 with nine bombs and 49 RBIs in only 49 games. Josh then went on in the 2019 Major League Baseball draft just three years after not being drafted at all. He was selected by the Texas Rangers in the first round with the eighth overall pick, and the Rangers invested in him with a $4.4 million signing bonus. Josh made the most of his professional debut when he started in the Arizona League, uh, the rookie league, his first at-bat. What does he do? He hits a home run. Josh Young started with the mental game when he was 11 years old going through the Pride program, a video series that I created a long time ago about personal responsibility and daily excellence. So tonight, for all the high school baseball coaches and players that have joined us right now on the call, we have got Josh, um, about 180 people on the call with you tonight to fire questions your way to learn about the mental game. But first, let me welcome you to tonight, my friend. Thank you for taking time out of your busy spring training and being with us. Nah, thank you guys for having me. It's going to be fun. Yeah, man. Josh, talk to us about kind of the mental game. Like, what is the mental game for you? As simple as I can put it, it's about being your best when it means the most which is something that you used to say in those videos a long time ago, but that's something that really sticks to me is trying to keep it as simple as possible and be at my best when it means the most, which is every single day, every single at bat, every single pitch. But the middle game is what keeps you locked in on those things every day. So go, let's go back to when kind of, you're, you know, you're, your dad's a high school coach, you're 11 years old, you're going through the pride program. At what point did you say, Hey, this mental game is going to be a game changer for me and give me an edge. When did that kind of click for you? 86,400 was the number that really made it click for me. That was my favorite um, video that I would watch before games. Cause that's when I would do it was every night before a game, I'd watch it and I'd go through it in sequence. Um, but basically the 86,400 is how many seconds there are per day and how are you going to invest that? Um, and so that's what made it a difference for me. And then having my little toilet with me all the time to flush it. Those two things are what really drove home the point of the middle game for me and what got me to stick on it. And that's the stuff that's carried me through throughout this entire process. You know, Josh, talk about, you know, the ability 
the ability to flush it. I mean, everyone says baseball is a game of failure. I know you have one of the foam toilets. Maybe you can talk about that. And, you know, I know there's been some media attention around that. If you guys Google on, on YouTube, you know, Josh Young foam toilet, you'll have a chance to kind of hear him talk more about it. But Josh, what does the foam toilet represent for you? And why is that such an important part of your mental game? With baseball, from pitch to pitch, there's going to have to be adjustments made, but there's also going to be like success and failure from pitch to pitch. And having that toilet with me is just another one of those things. Like if I have a bad at bat or a good at bat, let's say, like I have to be able to move on to the next pitch, regardless of what's happened, um, because the most important pitch is the next one. So going through a game, let's say the first at bat, you strike out. Well, not only have I struck out, and that at bat. Now I got to go play defense. So how quickly can I switch gears? And the toilet is what helps me switch gears so quickly. And it's funny that you mentioned the toilet and having something to go to as a release. Last week, we spent a lot of time with the players talking about going through their routines. And, you know, we talked about the four routines as a pitcher. Obviously you have uh, your series of routines that you do between, you know, um, pre at bat and, and, and pre pitch uh, pre inning. And then with, you know, with uh, position players, you've got three routines that you're working. And those three routines that you're working are going to be at the plate, defensive routines, base, base running routines. And within those routines, you have a release. So I just posted a question inside of the chat. What are the three steps to a release? And we've got uh, answers coming in here. So one of the answers was the first step is a physical action. Kyle Tivnin coming through physical action. Second step is a, is a breath. The third step is a verbal trigger that you would say to yourself. So Josh, take us through a, from a hitting routine standpoint, what are you doing to release? If you catch yourself in yellow or red lights at the plate, the most important thing for me for sure is my breath. That's the biggest one, the focal point on my bat. So in college, I used a cat six, and inside the little six was like my little target that I would focus on. And that was my release. Um, now transitioning to a wood bat, it's different because there's no um, little bitty six on my bat anymore. So now it's more, more so I get to a stadium and I pick something. So like in the new Ranger stadium, it's the foul pole, or there's like a big Texas logo above the foul pole in left field. And that's my focal point. But for me, it's, it's the focal point. I don't really do anything from a physical standpoint, I don't pick up dirt or anything really on the offensive side. Mainly it's just my breath. And then I kind of get like this soft focus and kind of gaze out and just like look around and embrace the moment and, and be able to come back and be like, you know what, what does that pitch mean? Oh, it means nothing. The most important one is the one coming up. So it's not, you don't, you don't have any routine where you're going bat under your arm and undoing your batting gloves or cleaning the box or knocking dirt <laughs> off your head or to flush it. So that's all just, I wouldn't say that's my release, but that's my every pitch, no matter what it is. So whatever happens, I dig in the back of the box right away. Um, as soon as the pitch is done, I step out, take a deep breath, look around, depending on, what's going on. I'll tighten my batting glove. Normally I don't, but then I'll hit my cleats with my bat for sure. And then deep breath, get in the box, dig, hand up to the umpire, and then gaze out to the mound. That's pretty much what I do before every single pitch. Okay. And that would, let's, so you have a pre-pitch routine and are you, and are you taking a breath every time as part of that routine as well? Can you actually stand up and kind of show us what you do? Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, no, you, I 
<laughs> Look at this. Let's go. T- pulling out all the stops tonight with Josh Young, <laughs> Texas Rangers. Take us through the routine, Josh. So you come walk into home plate. Are you intentional oh, about are you intentional about grabbing the bat by the or grabbing the bat by the barrel when you're walking to home plate with body language? I Why am, do you do that? Uh, that's what you talked about a long time, how you walk to the octagon. Uh, so mm-hmm. home plate's like our octagon, but grab the bat, it's like a dominant presence for me. Um so I grab the barrel in my left hand usually as I walk up to the plate. And it's just like a dominating thing for me. So then depending on what side of the field we're on, we can get really, really tricky with it. But at Texas Tech, we were on the first base dugout side. So when I would come to the plate, I'd walk across. My right foot would touch the plate as I'm looking at the Texas Tech logo above the third base dugout. Then I would turn around, get my signs, and then I would go into my routine. And what Brian's talking about is I always looked at my bat, and then I always talked to myself and talked to my bat. Um, I guess I could do that again. So I would just be looking up at it, gazing upward, big body language, talking to my bat, um, reiterating my routine, reiterating, you know, moving on from the next pitch, whatever was going on. Um, I would, I would talk to myself. And that was the biggest thing for me was talk myself through it. You know, like, I don't know, for me, it's like when I'm talking myself through it, it's like, I'm not alone in the Mm. box. I'm like, there's like more than one person. So I feel comfortable. This is this is pretty high level mental game that we're diving in here to in here, Josh. So I don't, I don't want the players to get lost. But when you're talking to yourself, are you are, are you saying are you calling yourself Josh? Are you say, like what are you are you calling? Are you because I've heard when I was talking with a guy named Chad Bowling who does a lot of work with the New York Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys. One of the things that they talk a lot about and emphasize there is third person self talk. So saying like, "Come on, Josh, you got this. Get that fastball up." you know, versus saying, you know, if you watch anything on Tiger Woods, like if you search Tiger Woods self-talk on the golf course and, and his examples, a lot of them are negative. They're after a bad shot, but it'll be like, come on, Tiger, you're better than that. Right. So do you, do you call yourself Josh when you talk to yourself? I do not. But what I'm doing is I'm re- reiterating my approach and what mm-hmm. I'm trying to do in that moment, because in the game of baseball, it's going to demand different things of you. And so for me, reiterating my approach, talking myself through the situation, um, not trying to get too big, but just be who I am and try to do that to the fullest. And so depending on what the situation was, I'd tell myself, you know what, we're going to we're going to hit a line drive the second baseman's head right here. Mm -hmm. And we're just that's all we're trying to do. We're not trying to hit a home run. We're not trying to just trying to hit the second baseman in the head. So you're literally talking about your plan, like line drive, hit the second baseman in the head. Mm-hmm. Talking about what you're trying to do. Love that. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to come back to the questions. If you all have questions, I see some of them coming in already. If you've got questions for Josh Young, first round pick, 2019, eighth overall, Texas Rangers, two-time, should say three-time All-American in college baseball. Um, go ahead and post them inside of the chat. Josh, let's shift from the hitting routine to the defensive routine. You played third base and shortstop in college, now playing third base professionally with the Rangers. Talk about the defensive routine, and did you kind of take a deep breath before you would step in pre-pitch motion, and what were you doing there defensively to go one pitch at a time? So in college, my defensive routine wasn't, I would say, honed in as much as my routine at the plate, and that's where this taxi squad season this past year, when everything went down, was so big for me because I was able to get a defensive routine and really lock in on it. Um, so now it's like when you're in the pitch, you gaze in. And then when that, you have that, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds in between, you got to gaze out because 
just being locked in the entire time is just mentally taxing, especially when it's four hours long. So for me, it's like, okay, right before the pitch, it's deep breath. And I go left, right, left foot, right foot. And then I have a little hop, but then it's like, okay, that pitch is done. I come out and I survey, I survey the field. I survey the stands. I take deep breaths. I try to feel my breath um, deep into my diaphragm. Um, I adjust my belt, play with my glove, and then it's right back, right back in, deep breath, left, right, gazing in. Okay, pitch is done. Deep breath, survey, scan, whatever it is. And then it's just over and over and over again. Mm. And Josh, I love the fact that you're talking about diaphragmatic breathing. And if everybody on the call right now, if just as you're sitting there, if you put your hands on your stomach, okay, and I want you to try to inhale through your nose as deep as you can and push that belly out as far as you can. And think about think about as you breathe, your shoulders not moving up and down at all, but just your belly. And I think that's what Josh is talking about, giving you a more full, deep breath. And it's something that we've done on a couple calls where we'll have, you know, Zach Sorensen, who's here with us, Josh, who uh, is the mental major league mental performance coach with the Atlanta Braves, uh, played major league baseball. He's here with us too. So he, he takes us through some of those breathing exercises. What about on the bases, Josh? Is there anything that you do from a base running routine standpoint? Like we've talked about what I call it, and this may be new for you, uh, but I call them the A, B, C, D, E of base running. A, I'm at the base. This is my base running routine. A, I'm at the base. B, where's the ball? Does the first baseman have it? Are they back picking? Did it go to the backstop? Does the pitcher have it? Does the catcher have it? Where's the ball, right? <laughs> C, look at the coach, get the sign. D, look at the defense, where, where are they positioned? And then E, exhale and extend into your lead. And all of that happens in about a tenth of how long it took me to explain it. But all of that happens quick. And then exhale, extend into your lead, just like we exhale and enter my circle of focus defensively. I exhale, enter the batter's box. I exhale, I start my motion to the plate. Do you take a deep breath intentionally on the bases? Right before I get off the base, I do. So what we do at the Rangers is more of like you get the sign from the coaches. Like if you're if you walk or you're on base, it's it's now. You're not waiting for everyone to look. Like he's giving it now. Um, so you get that, and then with all the shifting and everything that goes on, you really have to pay attention between every single pitch of where the defense is because it changes from pitch to pitch. Like you'll see, you'll see two guys on the right side of the infield, not including first baseman, and then. The shortstop or third baseman, whoever's left over there, is playing the butt. And then with a strike, now they're playing shortstop. With two strikes, now they're pulled over even more. So it's like every single pitch. And so that breath is what helps me get back to the moment, get back to what's going on, take a look. And then I start taking my my lead progression. And if you have the, a release, well, let's go back to the release defensively. Let's say, you know, it's a. Uh, you know, you catch yourself playing defense, thinking about an at bat or pitchers having a hard time finding the zone, or it's the sixth inning and you haven't touched the ball in the game yet. Is there anything that you do to kind of go through that red, yellow light release defensively? So defensively, it depends on what's going on, but definitely my release is picking up dirt and squeezing it and just letting it go. Mm. Or I'll throw it sometimes depending on how frustrated I get, but yeah, for me, the release is throwing dirt. And, you know, like if I haven't gotten a ball all game, that happens so much, not getting a ball or whatever, not being in the action. And so it's like the action between the action that's so important. So like we talked about with routines, between pitches. But then like in between innings, when you're taking those ground balls, taking them 
like as serious as possible. You don't have to burn your arm out every single time, but making sure when you get to the ball, it's like, okay, right, left to the ball, you know, reading the hops in your mind, counting how many times it bounces on the way to you just to keep your mind locked in every single time on what is going on and just how to stay, you know, in it because it could come down to the ninth inning with two outs and you get the first ball of the game, but you got to make that play to win the game. So how are you going to stay locked in for that four hours and then in the one moment, mm. you know, come, come through? The action between the action, I think, is so huge. And for the coaches on the call, you know, we shared that audio with you with uh, Ken Revisa and Mike Trout and the ability where they talked about um, coming in and coming out of the circle of focus, coming in, coming out one pitch at a time and how doing that defensively can also you know translate over to that being more present and locked in at the plate. Um, Josh, one of the, one of the things, you know, you talked about the pride program and I just posted a link inside of our chat for our high school players and coaches who are here. I don't, I don't sell the pride program anymore. I don't promote the pride program anymore simply because, um, I have a new program, the 30 days to mental performance mastery for athletes course. And there, if you players are interested or coaches are interested, you can get that at briancane.com. But I wanted to give you all the pride program that Josh is talking about. So there's a link in there to a Dropbox folder. You should be able to click on and download that to your computer. Uh, so you, so you have that for your resources and your files, Josh, talk about how you would use that program. Cause I know you didn't just go through it once. So I would, every night before a baseball game, I would watch a new video. Um, and I would go through it and I would, and I wouldn't just watch it. I would study it. So the circle, uh, the circles of control was right next to the toilet. Like it talks about going through the videos and the biggest thing that I took with me, I don't know if you're going to remember this was the pink elephant. (laughs) There's no such thing as a pink elephant. You're going to go through stuff and you're going to make stuff up in your mind to where it's not even true, but how do you come back to reality? And so I had the pink elephant next to my bed. When I went off to college, I had the pink elephant in my locker. It was mainly how can I stay in the moment? How can I stay in reality and not making stuff up that's superficial in my mind to be at my best today? Because there's going to be days where your body just doesn't feel great. But how can you stay locked in? Because it's going to be a grind. There's going to be days like it's baseball. You're going to slump. You're going to go through it all. Probably don't say the word slump, but you're going to have rough days. But how can you today be mentally focused and write with whatever you got? And so that's just stuff that I did from that program. And it's kind of, hel- and the biggest thing I think is, is helping you to stay present, right? And it's so easy as baseball players and, and players, you got to catch this. This was the demise of my career. And it's been the demise of a lot of players I've worked with. And, and it's, it's, I think one of the strengths that Josh has. And when, you know, I don't know if he knows this, but when the draft was happening that year, um, you know, there were four players who, who were taken in the first 10 picks that I had worked with. And so I got a lot of calls, right? It was, it was you, Hunter Bishop, Nick Lodolo. So Hunter Bishop went to the giants from ASU, Nick Lodolo, um, out of TCU. And then I think you guys went back to back to back. Actually, I think it was, it was eight, nine, 10. And then Bobby Witt went second. So I had a lot of calls from GMs and scouts and people asking me about different guys. And, you know, they had known about our relationship from a couple articles that came out, et cetera. And they said, what's, you know, what's, what's the difference between these guys? And I said, well, they're all, they're all physically extremely gifted. Um, You know, I would say, but you're going to be hard pressed to find a player in any sport at any level that's more committed to the mental game and has, has a better work ethic than, than Josh Young. 
And I think that's one of the things that separates you is the ability is there, but how do you, how do you go from being non-drafted out of high school to being a first round pick in college? I mean, that work ethic, that, that, you know, willingness to learn that wanting to study that lifestyle of excellence, what would you say, Josh would be one of the, you know, for the players on here who are not drafted out of high school, just like you weren't, what advice would you give to them about staying the course and keeping working to, to give them that chance to achieve their dream of getting to play pro baseball? I was actually just looking through the 30 day program because I'm going to start going through it again for the second time now. Um, and it was knowing what you want to get to in the end. And I think, I don't remember what video it was, but it was like a tombstone. What do you want? What do you want it to be on your tombstone? What do you want your legacy? What do you want to be remembered by? Like, what do you want from that? And it's like knowing what I want in the end, my goal in my career is to one day be standing in front of millions of people talking in Cooperstown. That's my goal with my career. And so now you work backwards on how do I get there? Well, to get there, I have to be successful in the big leagues. How do you get to the big leagues? I got to get drafted. I got to go through the minor leagues and be successful. Well, how do you do that? I got to be successful in college. I got to be successful day in and day out. And so it's working backwards and really like keeping my mind on the prize of what I want in the future. That way I am locked in now in the moment, knowing what I have to do and just being intentional with every action possible um, with my routines, with my daily stuff. Like I always say no days off because there's some way you can get better every single day. That 1%, how can I get better today? It doesn't have to be physically. How can I be get better mentally today? How can I better meditate today? How can I enhance my vision? How can I just enhance my mobility of my body today? to get that 1% better, that 1% edge over somebody else. And so that that's, that's it. Josh, you mentioned meditation. I, I think for a lot of high school baseball players and a lot, a lot of college players and pro players, right? They look at, they think about meditation and they think about a dude in an orange robe, shaved head, fingers out here like this going, Oh, and it's not that right. What is, what is meditation in your opinion and, and how and why do you use it? So I use the Calm app and I also have the Headspace app. I used Headspace in college, now Calm as I've gotten into the more um, uh, professional ranks. But for me, meditation has always been tricky because I want to get into it and I want to start visualizing my success right away when I just need to let my body just kind of chill for a second. But to me, meditation is breathing, being in the moment with your thoughts and trying to be thoughtless um, and just letting go. It's like the art of letting go when you're meditating. Like there's so much stuff that goes on in this world, social media. It's like the instant gratification in our world is higher than it's ever been. And for me, meditating is being able to let all that stuff go and just be free kind of just in the moment and getting my mind right because our mind's going with billions of thoughts. And if we can just sit there and focus on our breath. And for me, I focus on my breath for a little bit. And then I start visualizing success of mine. I'm actually putting to a highlight video together right now of myself to watch before games. But just letting go, being free, that's what meditation is to me. And then when it comes to my meditation routine, I do it before bed. Those are just like my daily meditations on Calm App. 
like before games, I'll do a visualization meditation where I'm visualizing success. I, I'll go in and watch film or let's say I've faced the pitcher before. So I know what he looks like and I'll go in and I'll visualize myself having success off of him. That way, when I get into the box, I've been there before mm. and I've been ready. And so I know how to attack him. Speaking about highlight videos, Josh, one of the things, um, you know, I think one of the best things you can do, you know, especially with this current situation you're in, um, you know, watching highlight video of yourself can be extremely beneficial. And speaking of highlight videos, you know, I know how, how awesome it was for you to play in your home state of Texas and Texas tech. And you're playing against Oklahoma state in an NCAA super regional winner goes to the college world series. And what's Josh do? Remember he said the mental game is being at your best when it means the most game three super regional against Texas, against Oklahoma state, Josh Young, two home runs. Here we go. Within reason, Keith, within reason for sure. I mean, obviously Josh holiday speechless. that this ball wouldn't have got out of here anyway, but with this breeze in that direction, no doubt cut it and stayed up. So now you're in the, now Josh, you guys are in the bottom of the eighth inning. Okay, you guys are in the bottom of the eighth inning. That home runs in the second. And now you're down. You're down 6-4, bottom of the eighth inning. This is your junior year. You guys might not be making it to, 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 to Omaha. You might not go back to the College World Series. Tell me about how do you prepare for Nat Bat with this much pressure and, and this situation right here? Honestly, I came in the dugout and was like, this might be my last college of bat ever. Mm. And I had to grab the toilet before I went out on deck because I was like, I can't make this more than anything it is. It's just another at bat. And so that was the biggest thing for me was I literally grabbed my toilet before I even got my gear, got anything to get on deck to get ready for this at bat. I had to grab the toilet because I was making that at bat before it even happened way bigger than it was, than it had to be like, yeah, it's a big spot. You're losing. It's the eighth inning. Uh, you want to be the spark, but you don't want to make it more than it is in that moment, which is just one pitch, one at bat in the game. And so I was just trying I had to tell myself not to do too much. Like, don't go up there and try to be gorilla man and hit the ball 900 feet. Just go up there and put a swing on it, drive the ball at the second baseman's head, and just try to get on base and have a quality at bat. And a quality at bat of driving the ball at the second baseman's head ends in this. Oppo bomb, second of the day. Bringing the game within one. You guys go on and advance and play in the College World Series. Josh, what was it like for you to play in the College World Series, to lead your team there? How great of a feeling was that? Because you did it multiple times, I think, right? Yeah, I did it twice, sophomore and junior year. Um, see, growing up, that was my goal. My goal wasn't to get drafted and go out of high school to the professional ranks, even though that would have been awesome if I would have had that opportunity. But my main goal growing up was to play in Omaha. And in 2005, I think I was seven or eight years old. My parents took me up there and we watched UT win it. Um, and that, so that was one of my goals. So going into college, I wanted to do everything I could to make it. And so playing in Omaha, there's nothing like it in the college stage. It's electric. You got 20 to 25,000 people cheering for you. So it's kind of nerve wracking at first, but it's also just so much fun. 
um, to embrace the moment, to lock in, to play in front of all those people with, with your brothers that you've been playing with all year long. Um, you know, it was just, it was crazy because it was something I had dreamed about forever, something that I had envisioned myself doing, but also something that was like, yeah, something you, you're like, I hope it happens because you can't really control going to Omaha because so much stuff comes up. So being able to do it once, let alone twice, was just amazing. You just talked about some of the highlights, right? You, you hit a home run off of Lance Lynn in spring trading this year. You hit a home run in your first professional at-bat. You go from undrafted to eighth overall pick. You play for Team USA. You, you go to the College World Series. And, and, you know, Calvin Merrill asked a question. He says, Josh, I see you're, you've experienced a stress fracture in your foot recently. How have you used mental game strategies to stay on top of your game? So, funny thing is I've been DMing the crud out of companies, vision companies. Um, I have the win reality system on my Oculus and I also have a system called like reactic. Um, so those are some vision things, but yeah, I can't really stand up. I'm not supposed to stand up right now. I'm supposed to be on one leg. Um, so to stay sharp as I was literally, um, room with Greg bird, who's played for the Yankees with Colorado. He was with us last year. I'm literally sitting on the floor getting ready for this call. And I'm throwing um, a little racquetball against the dresser, doing short hop picks. I mean, literally anything I can do um, to just try to stay into the game. So it's that. Um, I can't stand up or do anything really yet. So everything's on the ground from that standpoint. So just doing short hops, just tracking the ball with my eyes. I have, I have all kind of stuff. Um, I have blaze pods to do some vision training. Um, like I said, I got the stuff on my Oculus. Um, but really that's all I can do at the moment. And then, Oh, the two games. Okay. So one of them is win reality. It's a, it's a system that's created by a company out of Austin called win reality. And basically they throw pitches at you and you can track them with your eyes and say, if it was a strike or a ball, there's all kinds of games on that. It's pretty cool. It's pretty realistic as well. Um, and then the other one's called Reactic. It's like you're tracking objects in space, and there's like eight of them, and four of them are cannons shooting bombs at you, and the other ones are just shooting balls at you. And if the one that shoots a bomb at you, as soon as you see it go off, you have to pull the trigger as fast as you can. So it's a lot of my the stuff I'm doing right now is vision, trying to keep my vision 100% locked in because – Fully vision is the fundamental of everything, whether it's hitting, fielding, timing, everything. So when it comes to vision, I'm trying to be at my best. And so I'm trying to find an edge. So what kind of edge can I get right now that I'm injured and I'll probably be out 10 to 12 weeks? Well, that's my edge right now. I'm trying to figure out what games I can play, how long, um, what the ample amount of time is. And of course, I play my video games. I'm on Fortnite, whatever it is, but... I make, I make my time intentional when I start playing um, the games on my Oculus for baseball or throwing hops against the wall, like counting how many reps I have, how many misses do I have, you know, trying to be perfect with everything, chasing perfection, knowing it's not going to happen, but letting that work itself out. Awesome. I love that concept. I'm back here of ch you know, chasing perfection and, and knowing it's not attainable, but you land on excellence. And you know, Josh, if you're hitting some Fortnite and the guys here want to compete with you, how do they find you on Fortnite? What's your call name? It's Josh Six Young. Josh Six Young. 
is the call name also on Instagram. Make sure you get in there and check that out. Um, and question was, can you repeat what two games you use on Oculus? Yeah. Win reality and reactic. Awesome. And then, uh, one of the questions came in and said, Josh, do you have any vision drills that you do that don't involve using virtual reality? So I do. They're actually on the way to me because I'm getting them shipped, but I have, um, synaptic strobe glasses to where they blink. Um, you can change the time between how it darks it, uh, blacks it out from you. And so just throw a ball against the wall and try to see it, but your vision's going to cut out. And so you're basically just teaching yourself, you know, how to see the ball. Um, understand where it's going. You know, you might not see the second one or you might not even see it to begin with. So that's something I do, but some other drills I have, they're all being shipped to me right now because I didn't plan on this happening, but I got, um, just some stuff on the wall where you can just stare at it and get further away. I have a game on my phone, actually two games. One of them is called glasses off. They're more vision things where you see like blurry objects and two things will flash. And you have to pick which one it was or a literally a simple game called letters. It's just different puzzles and all the letters are the same except for one. And you have to find it within a certain amount of time. And then on my iPad, I have concentration grids. Yeah. Talk about a concentration grids, Josh, for, for all the players, that's something they can start doing tonight. And, and, if you go to briancane.com slash cgrid, and I'll share my screen and kind of walk them through how to access this. But if you guys all go to, if you go to briancane.com slash cgrid, you'll see that I've created uh, concentration grids here for you. There's a video that explains this. Josh Young, we got to get you inside of the top 10 here. But if you make your uh, concentration grid, let's say you do a nine by nine grid, hit concentrate you go through and you're checking off the numbers starting with zero, zero, and then finding zero, one all the way up through into your last number. So uh, where is zero, zero, the timer is going and there's zero, zero, there's zero, one, zero, two, and you can compete with your teammates. You can compete in your program. Josh, how do you use concentration grids? So I have an app. I think it's literally just called concentration grids. I don't know off the top of my head, but I'll do, I'll literally start at, I don't even know what the smallest one is, three by three. Yep. And I'll try to get my fastest time ever on it. And then when I beat that one, I go to a four by four. And when I beat that, I go to a five by five. And so that's how I use concentration grids is I'm always competing with myself. And so that's the biggest thing I would say has really pushed my career is how much I compete with myself. Mm. And like we talked about trying to be perfect, but knowing that's not going to happen, but just, you know what, today, like literally counting my reps on defense and seeing how many times I was wrong but made the play or just wrong in general, that's something – oh, yeah, that's the app. And that's something that I have really come to be because it's it's not – it's easy to tell people that, oh, I was 7 of 8 today. But how honest can you be with yourself? And so that's something I've been going through because, yeah, I made the play, but did I make the right read? Maybe, maybe not. So that's something I've been trying to work on this spring training was like a, it was basically like a ball that bounces in the dirt. That's probably going to bounce in the dirt right behind the grass. I'm going to charge it and try to make a decision. Am I going to go get the short hop or I'm going to put my foot in the ground and take the long hop? And so I would try to be perfect with it. They'd put a machine up on the plate 
and shoot balls and I would have to make the right read. And it was, it was a struggle for a while, whether hops were bouncing all over the place or the ball was taking a left turn or whatever it was, but it was finding a way to be successful and make the right read every time, regardless of the situation. Love that. Love that. You know, Josh, one of the things I think that, you know, impresses me about you is, and this is in the art in the mentioned in the article that was, was sent to all the players on this call. So hopefully they've read it beforehand. Cause that was kind of a test, you know, because leaders are readers and you're constantly reading, you're constantly studying, you're constantly learning. What, what are you reading now? And what advice would you give to the high school players on here about the importance of reading? I actually just circled back to the beginning and I'm reading, um, the way of the peaceful warrior. One of my Dan, favorite books. Dan Millman. Yeah. Good one. One of my favorite books that was introduced to me on this pride series. Um, but I just circled back and started reading that one two nights ago. Cause that's part of my bedtime routine is to try to put my phone away and, and try to read for 30, 45 minutes before bed. But, um, for reading purposes, I feel like success leaves clues and successful people, you know, there's books out there, successful people write or, um, just stuff that you can learn because a book's going to be filled with a lot of them. And so I read books multiple times, but try to find one or two concepts that stick with me and try to apply them to my life um, pretty much right away. And so like with the obstacles, the way a book that I read, I think my sophomore year in college, it's like, okay, the obstacle is the way, how can I apply that to my life? Just diving into some concepts, just the title in general is whatever you go through, whatever adversity you go through, that's the path you're taking. How can you make the most of that path? Awesome. We got a question coming in from Tim Albertson. He's coming in all the way from Vermont where it's closing in on 10 PM. Tim Albertson head baseball coach at Champlain Valley in Vermont. He says, Josh, what advice would you give to our high school players? What do you know now you wish you knew at their age? That one game wasn't the end all be all that won at bat wasn't that important. I would get frustrated with myself um, going through an at bat or whatever the result of the at bat was. And I got so focused on that, but in the end that doesn't really matter because you can't control the result. You can hit a rocket right at somebody. You can hit a dribbler that finds a hole. And so for me, it was learning and understanding that throughout the process. Um, and really it took me a long time to figure that out because in high school, you know, I had a decent high school career, but, it was like, I expected so much of myself, but it was at the end of the day, I can't let one game kind of change my mood. And so that's where I had to get a routine off the field, which I really enhanced in college. One of the questions that came in was, you know, could you talk about the difference between a routine and a superstition? And he, and he said, is there anything that you wear like a lucky charm or lucky cleats or anything that you feel like gives you an advantage or, or, or is it more of the routines? What's the difference between the superstition and routine? For me, a superstition is like you said, you're wearing it because you think it's going to bring you luck. Whereas routine, you're doing it because you know that regardless of the situation, I'm going to do it again tomorrow because that's, that's just how I see it. So I guess in college, I always wore an Evo shield on my left wrist and I wore a wristband on my right forearm, but I would always have to go Evo shield on first, wristband on, which you could say is routine, but I think it was also superstition. Um, I've worn the same cup since... I don't know, forever, probably since like my senior year, junior year of high school. Um, always it, go left. Is that a superstition right. thing or is it just a comfort thing? 
<laughs> that might be comfort, but you could say superstition, whatever it is. Um, I always go left shoe, right shoe. God, that's pretty much it when it comes but, to superstitions, I think. But the power is in you, not in the superstition. Like wearing wearing the same spikes. If you have, if you lose your Evo Shield and you get a brand new one, like it might not be as comfortable because it's not worn in. But it's not the Evo Shield that's making you hit well. It's you and the work you're putting in that's making you hit well. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the big big misnomers in the mental game is people think like, and I and I wore the same T-shirt like for 12 games in a row without washing it. Cause I got a hit in every game and none of my teammates want to get around me cause I stunk, you know, but that's not the mental game. That's like putting the power in the McDonald's t-shirt I was wearing instead of no, I'm, I'm a 12 game hit streak. Cause I'm a dude at the plate, you know? Yeah. So I think coming through that mentality and understand the difference between a superstition that you put the power in the superstition versus a routine where the power is in you, you know, I think that, I think that's big. Um, Josh, other questions that are coming in is one of the things that was asked was using visualization. How do you use visualization the night before a game to help you prepare? So the night before a game, I do two things. One, I go over my previous at-bats from the day that just happened. And I see myself being successful in those at-bats. So basically I'm taking the four at-bats I just had and I'm making them eight. And so that kind of carries weight throughout a season when you have two, 300 at-bats. But yet in your mind, it can't tell the difference between reality and what you're visualizing. So taking those two to 300 and making them 400 to 600, now I'm a seasoned vet. I've got all these at-bats in my head. And, you know, when you visualize all of them being success, that's a lot of success that you've had throughout the season to be confident with. So that's the first thing I do. The second thing I do is just kind of relax and just see myself being successful for the next day. Um, sometimes you don't know who the pitcher is going to be or whatever. So I would just try to bring in as many senses as possible. Try to, so like Texas tech, we had turf. So I'd try to smell the turf. I'd try to feel the bat in my hands. I would try to see the crowd, see the defensive alignment, however they shift me, um, hear the crowd. And then for me, I always talk about clearing the mechanism from the movie for love of the game. And so I would, be doing my routine. I can hear the crowd, but as soon as I take that deep breath, it's like everything goes silent and I see myself being successful. And clear the mechanism for the people on the call. Pretty cool. In the movie for love of the game, the main actor is a guy named Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, who's made a ton of baseball movies. You know where he went to school, Josh? No, he went to Cal state Fullerton. And when he was at Cal state Fullerton, he wasn't a good enough baseball player to make the team, but he was a huge fan of baseball. So he would come to every game and he would sit next to the dugout and he would watch the Fullerton baseball coach who, who then went on to coach at Texas, a guy by the name of Augie Garrido. And up until recently, uh, he was the all-time winningest coach in all of college sports. And if you watch the movie for love of the game, Augie Garrido is the manager of the New York Yankees at the end of the movie where he got, where he calls on the pinch hitter to go try to break Kevin Costner's perfect game. And Augie and Costner are really tight. When I was at Cal state Fullerton, I actually missed this trip. We went and played at Santa Barbara. The whole team went to dinner at Costner's house and um, I was probably home writing a paper. Good. And uh, anyway, but so, so when Costner's making these baseball movies, he will bring Augie Garrido on set as like an assistant director. You know, and he would ask Augie, how do we make these movies more realistic so they'll connect with baseball players? And Augie brought Ken Revisa on set for For Love of the Game, and they talked about the routine and the breath and clear the mechanism. And here's what happens if you watch that movie. When he says clear the mechanism, 
the crowd fades out. He gets locked in on the glove. And then the ninth inning, what happens, Josh? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, he can hear everything. He can't clear it. All the noise. He's going to clear the mechanism. He's hitting his routine, and it's not getting him into the zone. It's not getting him into – this is the point of that in the clip is you can work the routine, and it's not going to get you in the zone but it will get you close. It'll get you, it'll get you as close as you can be in that moment. And that's going to be good enough. And sometimes you're going to have to go compete and you're not going to feel good. Sometimes you're going to have to go compete and you're not going to be in the zone, but you still got to go out, compete the competition. And Josh, when you play, you know, every game for essentially the first two and a half years of your career at Texas tech, you know, and you work as much as you do, how do you still go out and get it done and put in the effort when you don't feel great physically? That, that just goes back to, what I want to do in my life. What do I want my career goals to be? And having that as my goal and not, okay, I'm going two for three today, or I'm going four for four with two homers because I can't control that. And I might not be able to control the outcome I want at the end of my career being in Cooperstown, but that's what I'm going to work for every single day. And so regardless of what happens today, what happened yesterday, that's what I'm working for. That's what I'm going to be intentional about. That's what my focus is. So that's what keeps me so locked in on what I am trying to do on a daily basis. Love that. Love that. I got a bigger reason why. And a question comes in from Jim, Jim Cosby and Jim says, uh, Josh, what is the most challenging thing at the next level? So let's say going from high school to Texas tech and now Texas tech to professional baseball, professional baseball, to major league spring training. Every time you jump up a level, what has been the biggest challenge for you and how did you take it on? The biggest challenge honestly is consistency Mm. because everyone's a good, you're all going to be good baseball players. But it's going to be how many how many good days can you stack on top of each other? Now, how do you have good days? Well, that comes back down to your routines. Did I prepare the way I was supposed to? Did I did I do my routines in the cage? Did I get everything I needed to do to be successful today? And if I didn't, why didn't I? And so that to me is the biggest thing because going being consistent in high school, let's say the best player on the team is the shortstop. You go to college, every single one of those players is a high school shortstop was the best player on their team. So now you got to compete against those guys. How do I, how do I compete against those guys? How do I try to win a spot against those guys? Well, I got to be consistent and I got to be the best I can every single day. Now you get drafted. Now every single guy you're playing with got drafted mm-hmm. and was good in college. And you're at whatever level you're at. Like they've, they're at that level for a reason. Now, how do I go out and show that I'm the best at this level? got to be consistent every single day with your routine, with what you do, being intentional. And then the results are going to take care of themselves, but you control what you can and you try to be as consistent as possible every single day. You know, Josh, one of the questions comes in from Joel Sato. He's the head baseball coach at Bingham high school in Utah, one of the top high school baseball programs in America. And his question was when you're struggling and you're not as confident as you could be, what do you do to still perform at a high level? So maybe if you're, if you're scuffling a little bit, you know, and you're not uh, feeling great, what do you do to still perform at a high level? Maybe when the confidence or the results aren't as high. Fake it till you make it. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to tell myself I'm the best hitter in the world. And no matter what the results are from today, I'm stepping in that box. I'm 0 for 0 today. And that is all that matters. I could be 0 for 3 with three punches. My fourth at bat, I could be the hero I could come up with the hit to win the game. So I'm not going to let anything drag me down. Um, But that is so much easier said than done because I definitely fall into all these traps 
Like you guys think you fall into traps, whatever it is, I fall into them too. Knowing all this stuff, um, having done all this stuff for a long time, you still fall into it, but it's being able to recognize that recognize, you know what? I am failing. I'm just going to go have fun today. I'm not going to worry about anything. I am just going to have fun. And so that's, that's the point where, when I'm struggling, when I'm going through um, a time, let's say where I'm over 30 or whatever it is, I'm going to go out there and be like, you know what? I'm just going to go have fun today and I'm going to be locked in in the moment because that's what I can control. And I'm going to go up there and let's say I'm struggling at the plate. I'm going to swing at every strike. I'm going to put that ball in play and I'm going to try to beat the pitcher on every single pitch, but I'm going to try to have as much fun as possible. We talk about fun for a second. Cause I think a lot of times people confuse fun with being silly. You know, fun, they think fun is funny. And then I've heard another coach say, well, the fun is in the winning, you know, and I want to take, what is fun for Josh Young? It's honestly as simple as embracing the moment, smiling, investing in my teammates, um, and being silly can be part of it, but I'm going to invest in my teammates. Somebody gets a hit, boom, I'm, I'm their biggest cheerleader that moment. Somebody does something, I'm going to invest in them because – to me, if, I, if I'm struggling and I start making it all about me, that gets really lonely in the dugout, especially if the team's winning, that gets really lonely. And so for me, it's just go out and be a big cheerleader, you know, smile, laugh, have fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a silly component to it. Like baseball's hard. You got to make, you got to make fun of it sometimes. Sometimes you just got to make fun of yourself. Like, why not? Like, Hey, I'm over to a two case. Yeah. I suck today whatever it is, whatever your kind of release mechanism is. But yeah, it's just try to be loose, be free and invest in your teammates. That's what I've found has been successful for me in those moments, because then you forget about yourself and you forget that you're over two, or you forget that you're over 20 in that stretch and you're, you're able to just go up there and be loose and free. And you're loose and free because you're present and you're and investing into your teammates keeps you, you know, external and into the game and what's happening and not internal into your feelings and how, how you're playing, but into what's happening in the game and how the team's playing. And it, let me ask you this, Josh, is that, has that been a shift for you mentally or a challenge for you mentally as you've gone from like high school and into college baseball, which are a complete team. And then you go into pro baseball, which is a little bit more individual. I mean, half the guys on your team that you'll play with, you know, may not even speak English. So how do you, how do you kind of shake keep, keep that mentality of investing in your teammates and staying external as you get into professional baseball, where it's almost an individual sport at, at, at times? Oh, it's very individual actually, because not only are you competing against that team today, you're also competing with the guys next to you. So you can go up to the next level and try to make, make it to the big leagues. So, you know, it is hard. It's definitely hard. When I got out to Hickory, my first, my first half season in 19, I started off hot. Everything was great. But then I hit a wall. Like my body just wasn't feeling good. I started going downhill fast and I got kind of personal with it because I felt kind of alone. I didn't really do anything. But once I started really like investing in my teammates as people, not just as the baseball player I play with, that's when things kind of took a turn because not only am I investing with you, I'm going to give you everything I got on the field, regardless of the day. But once I start investing in you as a person and I start to understand who you are, now I understand how I can interact with you on the field. And that's what makes it fun is knowing everybody, knowing what makes people laugh, what makes people mad, whatever it is, how to get people out of a funk, because everyone's going to be going through something at some point. But like knowing your teammates, like we had one guy on our team that would throw his helmet after every strikeout. And so it's late in the season. 
he's having a great year. He's got like 20 homers, whatever it is. And he's coming back. He just punched out. He's about to throw his helmet. And I walked up to him and I took his helmet away. And I gave him my glove and I said, throw this instead. And he goes, I'm not going to disrespect your glove. And I was like, well, why do you disrespect your helmet? Let's just have fun. It doesn't matter. Like what is these two at bats aren't going to affect you because at the end of the day, we talk about something Manny Ramirez always talked about. It's like having a 10,000 at bat mentality mm. and the rest of your life, you're going to have 10,000 at bats. So what does one at bat really mean in the grand scheme? It's not going to affect anything. Maybe but, it affects you in that moment, but in the grand scheme of things, like once the day's over, how is that going to really affect you? It's not, it's just another at bat. Such a good perspective and, and such, such good mental toughness. And, you know, Josh, I think maybe to, to summarize here with our last question, is, you know, if you look at your Instagram page, you say baseball is what I do, not who I am. What does that mean for you? Because I think so many times as baseball players, we're taught that you got to eat, sleep, breathe, baseball, it's life and death, you know? And, and if you, if you take every at bat as life and death, you're going to die a lot. You know, the 10,000 at bat approach, Manny Ramirez is, is fascinating to me. Uh, I love that perspective. You know, would you talk about, um, um, that baseball is who you is what you do, not who you are mentality. I think that's so strong. So that for me, that's my faith. Mm. Um, that's my relationship with Jesus talking there. It's is I'm not going to make everything I do about baseball. When I, when I'm locked in, when I'm dialed in on baseball, I'm intentional with it. I'm giving it everything I got. But when I, when I come home, I, I want to be the best brother I can. I want to be the best son I can. I want to be the best boyfriend I can. I want to be the best friend that I can be. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't revolve around baseball and that's fine. It doesn't have to be all about baseball. I think growing up, everything I did eat, sleep, drink was baseball. And that got me to a certain point, but now to where I am now, it's like investing in relationships off the field, investing in people, investing in my relationship with Jesus. My walk helps me get away, but also like for me, helps me miss it to where the next day I go in there, I'm giving it everything I got regardless Mm. of how I feel. And so that's something that I've had to learn over the past, I guess, year and a half, really, especially when COVID hit and there was nothing, you knew nothing, you weren't doing anything was, you know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be more. And I think Tom Brady said that in his Tom versus time series a few years ago, he's like, there's, you know, I've won four or five championships now or six, whatever it was. And I just don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like, everything I want to accomplish has happened and it's not going to come from winning another championship. It's got to come from something else. And I think that's where I said, you know, I'm going to invest in my relationship with Jesus. And then I'm going to invest in, in all my friendships. It doesn't have to be revolved around baseball. Awesome. And I think, you know, it's interesting. The first time I heard someone say baseball is what I do, not who I am was a kid named Matt Perk. Matt Perk was a first-round pick out of high school by the Texas Rangers, ironically, from, from Houston. The, he, he doesn't sign. He goes to TCU. I think he's 15-0, 16-0 as a freshman, left-hander at TCU. I mean, just the most impressive maybe freshman season anyone's ever had in college baseball. He goes, comes back as a sophomore, deals with an injury in the middle of his year. He's a draft-eligible sophomore. He goes projected from, like, the first college pitcher picked, and he slides a little bit. And I remember, he, you know, he's like 18-0 in his career. He loses his first game to Houston Baptist. And this is after beating UCLA and LSU and, and those, you know, the powers that be in the College World Series and running through the Big 12. And I remember talking with him in the athletic training room at TCU. 
And I said, Perk, how you doing, man? How you handling this? And he's like, Canner, baseball is what I do, not who I am. He goes, I'll be fine. And it just said it as matter of fact as a 19-year-old, you know, could say or 21-year-old could say anything. And I'm like, damn, where does that perspective come from? You know, and I think, Josh, you've offered, I mean, so much gold on this call tonight, you know, and, and I knew it would be good. I didn't know it'd be this good. Really, really good. And, you know, I want to do, man, is I just want, I want to thank you for taking time, you know, with everything you got going on. I know how you plan out every minute of your day on a 168 and you're in your, you're into that. And I think that's awesome. So I want to appreciate you taking time to give back to the game, to give back to the players and coaches that that are on this call, players and coaches. I'd encourage you to follow, um, you know, Josh on Instagram. I'm going to post his Instagram here inside of the chat. You guys can just search Josh Young on Instagram. You guys will be able to find him there. And for the players, this is a guy that does it right. You know, this is a guy who, who, um, you would want your daughter to marry for the coaches, right? This is a guy who plays the game hard, works at it and does everything the right way. So if you guys are looking to model yourself as an athlete after someone, you know, we look at the Connor McGregor's, you know, we look at, we look at guys that, that stick out because they do it in a flamboyant way. Josh Young does it the right way. So if you're looking for a guy who you want to emulate, this is your guy to follow not just on the field, off the field, lifestyle, whatever Josh Young decides he wants to do, he's going to be world-class and successful at. So Josh, when you said fake it till you make it, really what you're saying is act confident when you don't necessarily feel confident. Is that right? 100%. I mean, there's going to be times where you're not confident. Like for me, I'm a communications major and I would be super nervous and anxious before giving a speech or before talking in front of somebody. And so I had to go in there being like, you know, I'm the best, I'm the best speaker in the world. I am the best, whatever it is that day, I'm the best at that in the world. And I'm just going to go and I'm just going to have fun with it. And for me, that's going in, cracking the smile, cracking the joke, whatever it is, but faking it till you make it when baseball is like, you know what, regardless of what happened yesterday, I'm stepping in here and I know I'm about to dominate you regardless of what's going on. You could be the best pitcher in the country. You could have given up no homers whatever it is, no runs, whatever. I'm about to dominate you today, regardless of how I feel. And so I had taken that mentality into that bat, you already have an advantage. And so there's a lot of stuff that I could break down more in depth, but I need a piece of paper for, but it's, it's just going in there and being confident, making yourself have that big body language, get into that at bat. Um, no matter if you're over four or four punches, like I said, it could come down to you. You're the last at bat of the game when you run on third. Do those four bats matter? No, because you could be one for five in the hero. So mm. that's what matters. Is. Every at-bat has a life and history of its own. Every pitch has a life and history of its own. Every day has a life and history of its own. And every time you step in that box, every time you put a bat or ball in your hand, you have an opportunity to make history. Josh Young, can't thank you enough for taking time again to be here. Players, coaches, awesome. Absolutely awesome. So let's make sure that coming off of tonight, okay, we're not here just – we're not here as fans. We're not here to just listen. We're here to get strategies that we can put into play. Because the one thing we don't want to do here, everybody, is we don't want to talk to talk. That ain't going to get it done. That ain't going to take us where we want to go. Josh Young didn't go from being non-drafted out of high school to being the eighth overall pick, the 55th ranked prospect in all of minor league baseball by talking to talk. He did it by walking the walk. So you have to take the strategies that you're learning tonight, and you've got to put that into your game plan. Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. This is Brian Kane, and I would love for you to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show. I'd also love to engage with you directly on social media. So please reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. 
And then make sure you head over to briancane.com and check out some of our articles on our blog, some of our videos. And if you're a coach looking to master mental performance and up your game so you can help your clients get the results they've been looking for, check out my Mental Performance Mastery Coaches Certification, where we teach you about the mindset, routines, and habits that your clients need to get the results they've been looking for. If you're an athlete or a performer listening to this podcast, Head over to briancane.com and click on Athletes. Check out my 30 Days to Mental Performance Mastery for Athletes program where I walk you through and coach you virtually to help you master the mental game and give yourself the best chance for success. Thanks for being with us here on the podcast. Let's dominate the day.